It's time. Thank you and welcome to the Force Report. For your easy listening pleasure, my name is T.D. Arnold and I want to welcome today our very special guest, legendary award-winning actress, Miss Andy McDowell. Yes, Miss Andy McDowell will be here on the Force Report. And so please let your friends and neighbors know. Run across the street, let them know about this show. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram, as well as on Facebook Watch. Without further ado, I want to introduce her, but before we bring her on, I want to show one of my favorite movies, a clip from it, Groundhog's Day with Andy McDowell and Bill Murray. I hope you like it. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. So what do you want out of life anyway? <laughs> I guess I want what everybody wants, you know, career, love. Marriage, children. Are you seeing anyone? I think this is getting too personal. I don't think I'm ready to share this with you. How about you? What do you want? What I really want is someone like you. <laughs> oh, please. Well, why not? What are you looking for? Who is your perfect guy? Well, first of all, he's too humble to know he's perfect. That's me. He's intelligent, supportive, funny. Intelligent, supportive, funny. Me, me, me. He's romantic and courageous. Me also. He's got a good body, but he doesn't have to look in the mirror every two minutes. I have a great body, and sometimes I go months without looking. <sighs> He's kind, sensitive, and gentle. He's not afraid to cry in front of me. This is a man we're talking about, right? He likes animals and children, and he'll change poopy diapers. Does he have to use the word poopy? Oh, and he plays an instrument, and he loves his mother. <sighs> I am really close on this one. Really. We're you not interviewing now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm interviewing right now. It's a part of it. Okay. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have Andy McDowell, one of our one of my favorites, and she's really down to earth. And we're just gonna, you know, we're just both in our homes, just chilling. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I better be at least on your radar since I'm from Gaffney, right? And yes. I'm, yes, I have yes. to be at least somewhat. Yeah loved that's in your that's, area well it's i would hope gaffney was it <laughs> was because it's funny i'm my my uh relative my family is from the anderson area and so okay. i used to travel uh with with my a lot of my uncles to the south for the summer time and and we would go to we would pass i remember gaffney was 
the the first spot that you cross over 85 going into South Carolina. And so I remember seeing the, the Gaffney signs. Oh, we're in South Carolina now. So, so Plus the peach. Yes, and that big peach. <laughs> so, so but you know, it really did look, I think originally it looked even more like a great big butt up in the sky. But I think, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, I think they tried to fix it a little bit. They did. Yeah. So, so I, but it didn't, it didn't occur to me until, uh, I guess years later, it was like, um, I was talking to our mutual friend, Jenny and, and I, I was telling, I said, we were talking about movies and I said, I said, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, was Groundhog's Day. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, really? You'll never. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it because it was just a, uh, uh, I want a, a, a fan of, uh, I would love Bill Murray and, and it was just so silly and yet it was, it kind of, it, it gives you this thing of starting over again to get it yeah. right. Yeah, it's very Buddhist. Yes, very It has much. a real, yeah, it has, it's a, it's a really Buddhist uh, oh. movie. It yeah. really does have a lot of integrity to it, you know, it's sort of like, you know, it, for Groundhog, uh, for that season it's a wonderful life has you know this relevance to what is life about really what is life about in the christmas season it's my favorite movie yes. and groundhog day has that same power to it it really it's not a fluffy movie it's funny there's a reason i think it has had such um won so many awards and been so revered is that it what it really has to say is is deep and, and very profound about being a good person, you know? You growing up in South Carolina, Gaffney area, and and I was I went to one of your interviews where you were talking about being in, I guess, Sunday school and seeing uh, one of the, you're, you're like a liberal Christian, and you were saying that. I remember singing a song. Uh, I forget Jesus how it loves little children. Yes, yes, which I sang too. Yes. Simple yeah. song. Very it, simple song. Yeah, it's a really powerful song, yeah. especially for a child, for children to sing. I think it's just such a, it's a lovely song. Yes. Um, yes. You know, my, my mother taught but, um, in an all black school before segregation. Wow. She taught in a, yeah, and I went to that school to visit and oh. it was a really beautiful experience for me. So this would have been, uh, Probably when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. Because it's right about that time that everything changed. Right. But um, yeah, it was such an interesting time to grow up. You know, so much was happening and so much was changing. And I, I kind of find it kind of fascinating that we don't talk more about that time to, to understand us, you know, to understand some of our issues and our problems and how we relate and, and don't, don't relate. And I think about that because where were you when, where were you at that age? 
How old are you? You're younger than me, though, right? Yeah, um, just a few years. Uh, uh, I um, 54. I was born in 60. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, you're eight years younger. Yeah. So it's different for you. Yeah, I mean, when... It's very when different for you. Everything had kind of happened. It kind of happened. I, I, did, I do remember uh, about three years of my, at least three, well, I think at least three or four years of my life, I, I went to school in the South. And it was Williamston, South Carolina, that I was in a school. And I remember there was still my aunt and uncle moved me back up north because there were still people hadn't still gotten used to transition. And it's still, right, being together. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't the know issue if of actually <laughs> being together. No. Yeah, it's you know it was a fascinating time, and I I wish that there would be like a great talk show that we would just explore that you know, to, to kind of look at why, why we're still struggling, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, I think about that all the time, that nobody really talks about it. Well, it's kind of interesting. I, growing up in the North and being part of the South, one of, and then I also lived in the Virgin Islands uh, as well, and then traveling to Africa. One of the things I... I, I understand is that seeing how things are thought of in different places, uh, where I think sometimes in the South, which I've noticed, like you say, people don't talk. I mean, they don't have that those conversations. I remember a friend of mine, he's a white guy, and we used to work for the for the same company. He says, he said something to me that was profound. He says, sometimes black people talk to black people about black things and don't talk to, you know, don't, and the same thing on white people, they don't, they, we don't get together and have those conversations because, right. we, and I think there's the issue of, you know, I don't want to offend you or I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Well, yeah, it's very, it's very delicate. Yeah, of course, it's very delicate. It's very but delicate. you know, when I was in Gaffney High, they, uh, we were together in the same school, but we separated really? the whole, you would go to the gym, all the black students would be on that side and all the white students would be on this side because we get to sit where we wanted to sit. And I just would, I remember back then just thinking, this is crazy. Right. What's happening? Why are we, why are we doing this? And I truly did make an, an effort not to like say I was more superb than other people, but I had black friends and it was just unheard of. You just didn't, you didn't, you just didn't. I wanted to. You know, and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I, my mother taught in the school. I had such a great day when I went to school. They treated me so kindly. I just didn't think they were just people, you know. And then when we all came together, nobody, we weren't coming together. It was at first, you know, and there was no communication, no help, no guidance. And um, they just threw us together, you know. It didn't, they really didn't support. There was no support system whatsoever. We would just had to figure things out. That was kind of, that was kind of it. Wow. It was a very strange time. It was really strange to be in the South during, during that time. And I remember one time there was this really handsome uh, young man, black young man in a class. And I was having a fun conversation with him before class started. Mm-hmm 
probably flirtatious. We're young, you know, it must have been, you know, not a big deal, but smiling and laughing and having a good time. And the, the teacher was a male teacher called me outside and said, what's wrong with you? Uh-huh. It's inappropriate behavior. What are you doing? Wow. Your mother would be ashamed of you. Wow. And then, yeah, took me outside of the class. And then I walked, you know, just blanched. What do you, what do you do when you've got this mature person telling you this, you know, and my, it was so innocent. It was so innocent. Yeah. And I was humiliated, truly humiliated and went back into the class as if nothing happened. So bizarre, strange times. Being raised where your mom was teaching, uh, I guess it was called a school school for colleges or black or whatever. I don't know what they, it was, yes, but that's what it was. Well, it was. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Then, and then you're having a transition where everyone's being sort of- Coming together. Coming together. Coming together. What was hard, I think, for all the black students is they mm-hmm. were proud of their school. You know, mm-hmm. they loved their school. They had their identity. They were proud of their school. They had a great football team. They, you know, they, they, and they had to come to our school, take right. on our mascot right. and give up and give up everything they had. That's another thing I've thought about as an adult, what that transition would have been, been like, but no guidance, no empathy, nothing, you know, it was just mechanical. It was really done in a very sort of hodgepodge mechanical way. You know, it was just, it's kind of really mind blowing. The other thing is, uh, you know, it's just so rampant COVID in um, Los Angeles that I decided not to go. So I'm going to be alone. I don't even have a Christmas tree, but oh, well, that's the way it goes. Yeah, my, I have a job, which is more than most people have, so I'm not going to complain. Oh, no. It's very, it's... you know, it's been a really good year for me, oddly enough. I mean, a horrible year, but as far as being able to um, work, I've been so lucky. So I'm just thankful. I'll be alone. It's the first Christmas I've ever been alone. That'll be interesting. Well, congratulations Actually, on the, uh, the, the Paramount. Oh, uh, 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 yeah. Yeah, congratulations on that. Jenny sent me uh, the link to that, so I would be watching that. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a sweet movie. You know, I mean, the thing that makes it so special is that it's a romance between two men. So right. that's nice. It, it really got elevated this year. Right. Several, you know, there were several movies that did that. So, I, you know, and the nice thing about it is the genre. Of, of course, we've had loads of movies about um same-sex relationships you know art movies and you know big kinds big movies but that particular genre is a it's it's a family genre you know it's a little corny it's christmas right they're super sweet right and um you know my sister my nieces that with their children they watched it and it's all kosher and everybody's comfortable and that's what makes it much more special than so unique and so special is the the love and acceptance I think that came through 
with those movies this year. So that was really nice. It sounds like you've had a really nice upbringing, like a very diverse and very cultured upbringing. Yeah. I, mine was Gaffney, okay? Yeah. Mine, it's, 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 it's a culture onto its own. Wow. Have you ever have you ever met uh, Phyllis? Jenny's yes. Friend? Yes. Okay. I, that yeah, answer, yeah. that tells you everything. Phyllis yes. was one of my good friends in high school. Okay. Yeah, is hilarious. I love and, it. <laughs> one of the, the one of the good things I think one of the things that I really did get from growing up in that environment was a great sense of humor because we had nothing to do. We were bored out of our minds. Right. There was just nothing going on. And our parents, different generation, they really didn't, like, my kid, my kid's so busy. But I, we were the generation that you left in the morning and you came back late in the afternoon. You might come in to get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Maybe, you know. Or you might grab it down the street and you had no shoes on. That's kind of the way I grew up. It was just, so if you, you know, you, you, you usually got a great sense of humor. That came from all that, you know, oh, yeah. nothing going on. <laughs> never, so how did so going from Gaffney, and I know that you went to Winthrop, my business partner, her son goes to Winthrop. Right. And, and uh, I said, uh, going from Winthrop to modeling to a world of acting. Hmm. From Gaffney. Okay, well, the, I, I did a little acting at Winthrop because Phyllis, wanted to ask me for her one of her projects to be to act in one of her projects mm -hmm. and um I liked it and I was like I could do more of this so I did a little theater I was horrible when I was at Winthrop just a pinch mm -hmm. and what had happened was when I was in high school I went to I flew out to see my sister who lived in California it was the first airplane I ever took I was 17 my went out to see my sister and while I was there my brother and worked in the fashion mart and somebody came up to me really kind of uh, scared me because they said, who are you? Mm. And I said, um, I, I, I'm, I'm Rose McDowell. You know, that's my real name. Right. And, um, and they said, well, what are you doing here? And I was like, I, I, I'm here seeing my sister. And they, they handed me a card and they said, you call me. You need to be a model. And so I had this card, but this person freaked me out so bad because I'm just a small town girl. I'm not used to somebody walking up and treat, you know, saying that stuff. So right before I left, I told my sister and my sister was like, why didn't you tell me? And I just started crying. I don't know. The whole thing kind of overwhelmed me. I was like, I don't know. They scared me. But then they planted a seed because I thought, OK, I guess I should figure out, see what this modeling thing is. Right. right. So I started looking at magazines and um trying you know trying to understand what it was to be a model and my sister started sending me articles like you know what what agencies were good and that kind of thing and I went to Winthrop and I had some depression problems I didn't realize I had depression problems but I did and I had a really hard time focusing I have some learning disabilities like I don't have full-on dyslexia but I have some kind of something going on like I have ADD for sure. <laughs> and I was struggling. I really, I was struggling. I was very artistic, but it wasn't um, guided, you know? Anyway, I uh, ended up 
uh, finding out about this modeling school, briefly going to this modeling school, and then another modeling school was going to New York, and they said, well, if you pay us $300, you can go with our graduating class. This was in Columbia. Okay. So I paid these people money and flew to, to New York, and um, I just met this woman, saw me. She looked out in the office. She'd been seeing all their superstars that they had, like books of, you know, that they had been working at this through this school. And she looked out, looked out the door and saw me. She goes, who are you? It was the same kind of thing as the other time. It's like, who are you? Right. And I, you know, same kind of like shy little thing. And I went back in the back and she looked at the pictures. I had done some work locally and looked at the pictures and she said, when can you move here? Oh. And I just said oh. two weeks because I don't know. Why not? Why not two weeks? <laughs> Nothing else I went do. home and told my father and you would have thought if I was telling him I was going off to be a prostitute or something. He was like, you're not doing this. You're going to finish college. And I just said, no, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. That was the first time I ever said anything like that to my father. Wow. And uh, I had $2,000. I went to New York. I did the most stupid thing about so um, provincial in my thinking. I bought a suit, a Ralph Lauren suit, a beautiful suit. But it was very conservative looking, mm -hmm. which is not at all the vibe of models. Okay. I looked like I was going in for a secretary's job or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Blew all my money on this stupid suit. But, you know, they didn't dress like that. And it took right. me, it didn't take me long because I was, how I was smart, where my smarts really were, was I, I'm a visual person. So if I watch, I learn. Right. You know, if I watch behaviors, if I watch people communicating, um, I was much better at learner that than reading. Mm -hmm. You know, I was if you immerse me, I can learn anything. And I grew fast, I grew really fast. And I ended up living in Europe and going to museums, and traveling and being around people that opened expand my mind my mind opened up and I learned and you know I learned about theater and art and movies and artists and people and that was my education it became that became which was a much better place for me to mm. to absorb and learn and grow and um the people I worked with I ended up working with this woman that saw potential for me to be an actress and uh, everybody thought I had a great sense of humor. Have you ever seen the Calvin Klein commercials? Which one? The, okay, well, you got it. After we talk, uh -huh. I want you to Google, okay? You have to Google. Right. Google Andy McDowell dot and Earl. Andy McDowell dot and Earl? Dot and Earl. Okay, I'm going to wow. tell you now, and you're going to have a good giggle when you watch it. But... I did these commercials with Abaddon that uh, he hired this writer and she, we, there was a, several of us. This is when I, this is right before I did Greystoke. Um, she, they, they said, we hear you're funny. And I was like, really? Mom, I don't know. And I told him, you know, tried to tell a joke or whatever. And I said, well, I did talk about home a lot. And I tell stories about where I grew up. She goes, well, tell me about that. Well, Phyllis and I used to go to Spartanburg and make up characters. We would go in character to bars because we mm. were bored. One time we went out as Swedish sisters. 
<laughs> Swedish sisters. Can't do a Swedish accent. I'm sure hers was much better. So oh, we go to some podunk I'd love bar. to see this. Oh, I my. Yes, we went out, and I'm like this giant, tall. Phyllis is this tiny little thing. Right. I used to be like little skin and bones, and we were just like opposites. And we were doing these fake Swedish accents. But anyway, so I ended up doing this Dot Neural commercial, which is truly about Phyllis was Dot, okay? Right. And she, we would go out in character and tell people we lived in Happy Valley Trailer Court. And we'd talk like this. I'd say, my name was Trixie Sean. We'd go up to me and we'd say, hey, how you doing, bud? <laughs> we'd do like that. How you doing, buddy? You want to buy right. me a beer? You want to buy me a beer? <laughs> right. Oh, my God. So anyway, look at Dot and Earl. Because they, they said, well, here, you're funny. Dot so I did Earl. this commercial. Did another commercial about a bar in Gaffney called the Firefly. Right. And I would tell you the real story, but it's kind of dirty. I don't know what no, your like, audience my audience all right cool. so please audience forgive <laughs> me i was you know just a poor kid and gaffney bored out of my mind all right my sister we used to have um we had a tape recorder so we could record telephone calls now this is before you know everybody knew who was calling you couldn't do that back then back then right, right. so um i called up the bar i think i was 13 or 14 i did this one with my sister and um, I called up this bar called the Firefly. And it was like this place that was like a cement block, right? It was like one of those bars that looked, you never, I never stepped foot in the place. I wouldn't go in that place. Right. Had tiny little windows, mm -hmm. you know, it was, who knew what was in there? But anyway, so I called up this bar and I asked to speak to Mike because there's bound to be a Mike, right? right. And there was. Yeah. So Mike comes to the phone. Now keep in mind, I'm like 13 or 14. And I go, hey, Mike, how you doing, baby? And he goes, well, hey, sweetheart, how are you? I say, I'm doing just fine. I say, Mike, baby, um, I've been hearing all kinds of things about you. And he was like, baby, what you hearing? I said, oh, baby, just kind, all kinds of things turning me on. It was something like that. And he goes, honey, I got a nine-inch dick and a bucket of balls. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, I was like, oh, honey, I got to see that. And he goes, baby, I got to watch Chevrolet and I'll be sitting on the hood. <laughs> so the commercial, I didn't say nine inch dick in a bucket of balls. I didn't say that. So we cleaned it up. Right. And it was a Calvin Klein commercial about the Firefly. Oh, my. That yeah, is, so that one's out there, too. So you can Google I, that as well. That is too funny. That is. Oh, I got to see. I can't wait to see that one. Okay. In my hometown, there's this bar called the Firefly. It's where all the real men hang out. My sister and I call up the name. Hi, Mike. How you doing, baby? Anyway, we could get together. Sure is. I got a white Chevrolet and I'll be sitting on the hood. Well, Mike, if you're still waiting. Calvin Klein jeans. And my sister and I get better every day. Yeah. Oh. But Dot and Earl's, uh, Dot and Earl, I have to this day, occasionally an older person will come up to me and say, how, dirt, how Dot and Earl do it. Oh, uh, Dot and Earl, okay. I, I... <laughs>
I definitely, that is too funny. Uh, well, I mean, I, I will say this. When I, I had a friend of mine, one of my uh, a colleague that's in, in the UK, and he, I mentioned to him, I'm interviewing you today, and he was just like, oh, really? That's McDonald's? I said, yeah. And he's, he says, he said to me, you, you put Hughes on the map. Oh, well, no, it wasn't me. It was that I was movie. Like, really? I was like, really? I didn't know. No, no. Uh-uh. Okay. It, was, okay. it was that. It was that movie. It was At that movie. At the time that we worked together, I was more, well, I was more known than Hugh. Yeah. And so he would, season. yeah, so he would tease me during that about the fact that I was more famous, but oh. he was destined. He was destined for fame. He, uh-huh. you know, he's, he had a very particular charm and charisma and intellect. Right. And um, what's really nice is now, you know, he's not so much, I think, was he couldn't really do a lot of juicy characters until he got older because he was so attractive. Right. And now I think he's really having the opportunity to play much more interesting, you know, juicier roles, not just romantic comedies, even though, my God, he was so good at that. You know, right. he made a career off of his yeah, charisma. Yeah. He did. Yes. Yeah. He had so much. Uh, his timing. His timing is just perfect. He, you know, his levity of just the way he would say something was made you feel good. You know, I didn't do anything for him. I was just lucky to get to work with him. And that movie is spectacular. It's a great movie. So, what was the contrast then? Are you dealing with Bill Murray to Hugh? How uh, that totally different. <laughs> Interesting personality. But everybody's everybody's different. I've worked yeah. with so many spectacular people. I worked with John Malkovich. I worked, you know, I've worked with just um, so many, so many great, great actors. Um, I've been really Michael Keaton, you, you know, yeah. um, Bill Pullman. Um, I mean, just endless amounts of amazing people, and. Um, I worked as with Diane Keaton as a director. One of my favorite movies. I worked with Diane Keaton as a as a director. Um, Angelica Houston directed me. Um, I, you know, I, it's endless. I'd have to like pull out my resume to like remind myself of what all I've done. I really give significance to some of the more independent art films that maybe everybody doesn't see, but are. Um, you know, have, have meant a lot to me um, career-wise as far as learning and also dignity and pride, you know, and enjoying what I made. You know, it's interesting because everybody has always asked me that. Mm. Like, oh, so are you more like Ann Bishop Mullaney, who was uh, in Sex Lies, or are you like Rita? Or are you like, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm none of them really. Okay. But you can't because you because honestly, we can't delude ourselves that much. We can't make ourselves that small. I'm not so small to, as to fit into two hours. You can't find me in two hours. Right. Um because there's so many different parts of me, like anybody else. It's a million pieces. Mm. And um I use those pieces to create characters, but maybe there's a bit of me in all of them, but never one 
that is unique. You know, I think you can mush them all together and may find something close to me, but uh, never one character. I might be a bit of all of them. You know, I'm playing this really great character right now. I'm playing a manic depressive. I'm having the time of my life. And I grew up with a woman. My mother was schizophrenic or diagnosed as schizophrenic. I don't think she was truly schizophrenic. I think she had schizophrenic episodes, but she definitely had depression. Mm-hmm. So I was exposed to all kinds of weird behavior. So it's it's been nice. And it's weird because the character that I'm playing is named Paula. And that was my mother's name. Mm-hmm. Though I'm really not portraying my mother. Oh. But I'm finding some of her. Some of her I'm touching into and relating to. She died when I was 23. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, so... I think there's some of me everywhere and all of them, mm. but I'm complex, you know, like you. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> uh, so, do you? Uh, what do you, if you were to say, uh, look at a legacy? What would, would you want people to look at you? Uh, say, if you live to be a uh, uh, hundred and say what would you want your legacy to be like well i think you know i'm still looking for that i i went in and talked to um my publicist last year that i felt like i hadn't really made my connection how you know what do i want to be connected to everybody you know what is what is it that i truly care about like i'm on the board of the national forest service i really care about the environment Right. I really care about women. I care about so many things, but I haven't really made a super focus for one thing to be like, oh yeah, that's what she did. Um, so I'm still working on what is that? I don't know. Other than the fact that I've raised three beautiful children that are in their in their own selves making a difference in the world. That is, I guess, as a mother but that's just like any other mother, but that's not to say that's not important, that it doesn't have relevance, that it doesn't pass down to generations, another great human being who is an accomplishment themselves. So I don't know yet. I really don't know. I wish I, I wish I had made that connection by now. And I'm a little disappointed in myself, I have to say, but um. I'm still searching exactly for what that is. You're you're a very spiritual person. Are you very spiritual? Yes, I am very spiritual. And I've gone through so many. If we had more time, I could tell you about that. I've gone through a lot of searching, a lot of soul searching for what my spiritual um, real feelings are. I mean, I grew up, my mother played the organ at the Episcopal Church. I grew up in the, oops, sorry. Um, Fine. Oh. My daughter was calling me. I don't know what you do about that. They're yeah. back. There you go. Um, yeah, my mother played the organ at church. So I, I do like the church. I think it can be a very um, confusing place right. um, as well. I think it doesn't necessarily mean it's pure and good always. I don't think that's true. I think people use it. Um, I think it's used, when it's used politically, it's destroyed. Um, right. But yes, that's kind, that is still, it's like one time I went to this, I went to watch these two scientists 
try to convince a room full of people that, um, that they were atheists, that they were, you know, they were scientists. They believed in science, not God. Right. And they said a lot of things that really kind of scared me because they talk about how the brain works and that we're desperate to have this idea of God and it's all happening in our head. And they had two priests there to defend God. And I thought, that's so unfair. It was like really unfair. Two older gentlemen, God bless them, but they weren't good. They were terrible. And I wish that they would have had someone who was young and charismatic and had sharp and, and could come back and have, you know, really good answers and, and right. defend and defend it in a way that, you know, was more charming and interesting and vivacious. And these poor guys were just lost. They didn't do anything. Wow. But anyway, I, it scared me because I I went out and I was in Montana alone and I was walking in the woods and I felt alone for the first time, right. truly alone. And I felt like it had been taken from me because mentally, intellectually, I had heard everything that they had said and it made me really sad. I mean, very sad because I've never felt alone. Wow. And, um, and then I made a decision. I was like, this is horrible. I hate this. I don't care what they say. I'm going to believe. I want. I want to believe. I. I need to believe. Right. And I like the way I see Christ. My Christ is really good. My Christ is like that song, "Jesus Loves the Little Children." It's that pure. And I'm going to keep it. I'm sorry. I don't care what these scientists say <laughs> because He's always with me. That's it. It's always that spiritual power. I don't even like to give it a pronoun. I don't. I just that spiritual essence is with me, and I'm going to keep it. So That's it's good. Wow, well, I mean, yeah, thank you. And I didn't realize you were. Uh, you have a Episcopal. I have an Anglican. I'm Anglican. So. Okay, yeah. I really like it. You know, it's a very open religion. It's not very. It doesn't have any of that anger and judgmental stuff. Yeah, it's, it's good. And I like a ritual. I hold the rituals and yeah. it's sweet. And the peace be with you. You know, I love that. Yeah. Yes. yes, the peace be with you. I enjoyed communing with you today. Definitely. I Definitely. hope I didn't ramble too much, but oh, you were I had awesome. a good time. It was awesome. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, you have a great Christmas. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay, See ya. You have a great day. Bye. 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 some of the things that some of the other actresses have experienced in Me Too in some fashion and may not be such. I've been, I have had small things happen. Okay. You know, small things have always happened. Okay. Um, you know, just uh, 
you know, having say, I don't, I'm not going to name names, but let's say a co-star flirts with me overtly mm-hmm. and I t- reject him. So then he treats me like shit. Right. I've had that, okay. you know, things like things like that. But I've been very fortunate that uh, I protected myself really well. And I'm not, not to say that it's the, the reason things happen, but I'm super boring. I don't party and I don't go out right. and uh, I'm a bit of a nerd. So yeah. I don't, I never found myself in circumstances. Like I would go, when I would go to Cannes or whatever with my manager, I would prefer to go back to my room to go to bed. So <laughs> they would have to force me to go out. I'm just wow. that person. Right. Yeah, so I I never really, I was very, I was just not the kind of person that would ever be in an environment where it might be, and I don't think everybody, anybody ever saw an opening or something like that with me. I don't, I just don't, you know, maybe small things, little, little things, little you inappropriateness. Were, you weren't really hanging out, like, say, when you were in New York. Like some of the club scenes, like studio. So control. boring. I was so boring. I had oh. a dog. I worked every day and no. I went home. Okay. Yeah. I tried it for two seconds. When I first went to New York, I hung out and went to Studio 54 for about two weeks and I tried cocaine and it made me extremely depressed. Okay. I hated it. And I thought I was going to go home. I, I went into the agency and I said, this is not why I came here and I don't like it i want to go home and they said it doesn't have to be like this you're around the wrong people there are good people where you should go to france mm. so i said okay so i flew to france and when i arrived there was a nice young man at the agency who did not drink and did not do drugs waiting on me mm. so i arrived and that became my friend and yeah. i think they arranged that whole thing because they saw money slipping away Right. Yeah. That's what happened. And I got there and befriended this young man. And um, he came from a really nice family and he was smart and he didn't drink and he didn't do drugs. And I didn't even really drink. That was the thing. I was, that's how boring I was. My mother was an alcoholic. I've been around enough okay. of that. Right. And um, I knew how to have fun without it. Then I, I don't know, I just really got lucky or I don't know if it's, a kismic or what, but I met a young girl from St. Thomas who was just like me, who very booky and didn't like to party, but we would go out. Sometimes we would go out and go dancing, but we didn't even drink. So we would go out and watch people and dance and laugh, have a good time and go home. That was kind of our existence and worked. And so never, I just never had those predator type of experiences i was really lucky so so if so basically when it comes to the whole me too movement uh when you see it now and you're and you're listening to the politics and of what's going on do you think that there's some validity to most of this or do you think that uh sort of some of what yeah i mean of course yeah sure 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 there is of course there is but i think more than that we need to look at um i'm trying to think of the name of the other damn movement i can't think 
But anyway, I think we need to look at more of women's rights more than anything. I think that's that is where that's what has more meaning for me. Right. Um, the perception of women, how we see women, how we demean women, how we hold women back, even in the most um, acceptable um, psychological ways of how we hold women back. Like, for instance, not to get back to my hair, but I am going to get back to my hair. I've been sending because at first my managers didn't want me to do it because they said it was going to age me. Right. Oh. All right. I'm, I'm 62. Oh. <laughs> How the hell is it going to age me? You know, I'm going to be 63 in April. What right. age am I supposed to be? Right. You know, I don't want to pretend I'm 50. I have no desire to do that. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. And then um, I, so I keep sending them. I torture them. I send them pictures of uh, other actors that are my age, male actors. And I write to them and I'll say, can you imagine if you were coloring his hair? And it just, it, it, it makes such perfect sense because they would look like idiots, right? right? To be coloring their hair. They would just look stupid. But right. this is what you're asking us to do. You're not you, but society. This right. is what you're, this is what you expect of us to mm -hmm. remain like young dolls because otherwise you don't want us. We're useless. Right. But yet men become distinguished and elegant right. and powerful. And it's like you look at their faces and you love every line in their face, but we have to look like dolls. And I want to be part of that change. I, I do. I feel like I can be that man. I think I'm a woman that can be that man. Do you know what I mean? I like that. I am that person. I, I like am that person. Right. I don't even have to pretend because right. I am that person. I, I'm not a doll. Right. You know, I am all the things a man could be at this age. So for me, that's part, that is also a part of this change is perception and projection. What we, what we project on and our expectations of who, who, what kind of women, what are women's, how are we supposed to behave? Right. What are we supposed to look like in order to be still loved and valued?